0: It's maddening to me that this thing that is the solution to community is often pitted by the most powerful as the problem for community. You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast
1: with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network.
2: Hey there, it's Hector. This week we've got part two of a conversation with Holly Stalka of Rise. I love this conversation. And I hope that you'll be encouraged by part two. Uh, well, I I I often will, I'd like to, I like to just take in, right? Like, where is it? And then like somewhere in the conversation, I, I see the thread. And uh especially I've just been thinking this whole time, like, you know. As you were talking about the power structures, as you, you've been talking about flipping them on on their head, as you've been talking about taking the stairs, the long journey, yeah. that's actually one of the things that why we wanted to, to sit and chat with you is we've seen that on social media. Yeah. A, a lot of these institutions, the churches, parachurch, um, whatever you, you know, in, in, inside and outside the church. but the, the idea of doing what you do. Yeah. and saying hey we have this need it's going to take a thousand dollars who could give the next ten dollars okay we got that ten dollars who can give the next 25 so even this model of fundraising is is unique in that it, it is throwing out as you're saying you know you are standing behind what you're you're saying that yes we'll take the ten thousand two thousand dollar check yes we'll take the thousand dollar check but you know what we could really use that ten dollars yeah And we can use the next 25 and we can use that five. And you know what? If you have a dollar that'll Mm -hmm. barely cover the cost of processing fees, we'll take that dollar too. And um, so I hear that. And so I have seen, and and Sarah and I have seen where the tweet comes through, hey, y'all, we met the need. We did it. It took one day, two days, three days. It took a whole week. But you know what? We met the need together. That's actually something that I, uh, as you were sharing, I was I was thinking of that Jesus did miracles in community, mm-hmm. and the the people that benefited from those miracles was the community.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it that's wasn't good. just that. Uh, you know, okay, now the the wedding wine, right? And like, yeah. all right, the bridegroom have good wine yeah. at the end of their party. It's yeah. that no, together the community and celebrating yes. has good wine. Oh, that's good. An abundance of good wine. Um, together as people are feeding mm-hmm. off in off from the coast, like there's an abundance of food and actually here's food for the journey home. Right. And there's an abundance to celebrate. in. And so um, I I think we just want to give you a little bit of time. We want to hear some stories. uh, And and we also understand there's there's sensitivities in these stories, but uh, where you have seen the power of community happen uh, with these for better, for for lack of a better word right now, but fundraising Twitter threads of yeah. like, can you give just this much? What are the success stories that you just hold near? Yeah, yeah. If you could just share a little bit of that,
0: I think that you know there are, there are countless stories right over eleven years of how many women we've kept housed or medical bills we've paid or um and th- things like that and and I think we all desperately want the church to be doing more of that. And, and so it's exciting to everyone, including me, when, when you can kind of take the red tape away and just meet the need. But I think one of the things that to me is the best now is when I'm watching women in our community, take it on themselves. So Now there's rarely a week that goes by where one of our girls doesn't tag me in a thread where they have taken it on, where they have found out that their friend, um, Kelly, Kelly Wolf this week, her, she had a friend whose parent died and needed to take time off work, but it was unpaid. Kelly didn't reach out to me and it would have been fine if she had, but Kelly thought "I, I can take care of this one. And so she fundraised it over a thousand dollars. Right. And I retweeted and I made sure like, but she did that. Mm. And I, I'm not, I will never claim like Kelly only did that because she's been involved at Rice. But we have seen a pattern of women feeling empowered, right? Mm. That oh, oh, I can't, I can't help my friend take off four days of work. I can't do that wait, my community could though, right? And so I think the reach of the RISE community will be incalculable in regards to dollars at this point because so many women, both offline and online, have learned, wait, there's another way to do this. There's another way to do this. Oh my gosh, there's another way to do this, right? And those may be my favorite stories because I now have like a large enough platform and a dependable enough kind of network that like when I fundraise, the needs are going to get met, right? Like there are days where I'm like, I can't believe I have to do this again. Or why is it so slow? Or is the algorithm hiding my tweets, you know? But like we have some stability organizationally now.
2: Mm.
0: But when I watch girls who... They've been at work all day. They have three kids at home and they've been at work all day. When I watch them say, we need to get dinner to this person tonight. Huh. Let's do it. And it's my absolute favorite that RISE isn't centered in that. It's my absolute favorite, is that I'm watching and knowing, oh, those girls got connected through RISE. And we've taught people at Rise how to ask for help, how to accept help, how to identify someone who needs help, right? All those things, right? And so we're creating a culture that then allows people to say, I need help, to share their stories vulnerably, maybe not asking for help. But then when someone says, can we please send you dinner? They're like, okay. Because they helped send dinner the week before, right? And and so often in the way that we talk about people in need is this one-sidedness, right? And like you said, Hector, like, yes, when we finish and I say, oh, I just sent the rent money over. Is that woman relieved to pay rent? Yeah, I'm sure she is. Like, I'm sure she's like, great. But I also know that pretty regularly two or three or four women will let me know, like, hey, I felt pretty hopeless today, but we did this. I'm feeling really hurt by the church, but we did this, right? Or I'm not seeing God in the suffering, but we did this. And so I think, yeah, like I can go back through Excel sheets from the last several years and be like, oh my gosh, remember when we helped that girl not get evicted or like, Oh my gosh, remember when we like sent like $300 for this or that? And those are fun, like, those are fun to look back on. But I think it's more the fact that women are finding it easier and easier to ask for help, whether it's for themselves or for their loved ones, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that we're talking about money more openly. Um, that to me is the, the bigger win because Rise at some point may run its course. Um we're sure hoping to set it up to not do that. We're we're actively making plans so that I could leave at any point and rise would remain because it's not hollystalkupministries.com. Um but I know that even if the organization were to be done today, women have learned to meet tangible needs via the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Using using this thing that people think is horrible. Um and I can get talk about probably lacking a lot of nuance, Sarah. I can just get really mad at people who just talk trash about the internet. Because I'm like, if it's not helpful for, for you, then just get off. But it is helpful for us. So please stop coming into my living room yelling about how bad it is. Like Preach. leave. <laughs> just leave my living room if you don't like it. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I think we've This, the story that I want to tell is so much bigger than one woman. It's the story of saying, this is what God has given us in 2022. Ooh. These are the tools. And so we believe if they're here, that God redeems all things, right? That he works all things together for our good. And it is like one of my favorite promises in the entire world is that every single thing here can be for my good. And so of course the internet can be for my good and the good of my neighbor. And and what we've done is simply create a model for that. That's all Rise has done. That's all Rise has done is say, here's the tools. Here's what we think we can do with them. And then when it's worked, women have been like, oh, that worked. I think I'll do the same, right? Yeah follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if that answers your question, but I just, I just think leadership, I mean, Sarah, God, I'm going to totally use like, and then we made a slideshow of the widows and branded them onto a placemat. Like it just, so we're just meant to be friends. Cause that's the kind of sarcastic nonsense I would say, but, <laughs> but you know, like, like what, I hope what we've modeled for people is not like here's how to market a need like but like here's how to bring a need to community yeah right
2: well yeah yeah and so uh actually can we we want to make sure too that we give space for for those listening who may come across or or maybe someone who does see a need and can actually share a resource um can you maybe walk us through like if i had a friend yeah. who who did need help or if i saw someone or or if a woman was like hey i just need a, a place yeah. you know to to find community find financial help like what does that process even look like to reach out to rise or yeah. to you know, because I know we're talking a little bit kind of on both ends, the like official, like, yeah. hey, I've got this rise need, yeah. but then also these like, you know, my small community needs. Yeah. And so specific to Rise, like I want to give you some space to be selfish,
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: to be self-promoting, to be like, this is the success story of a of Rise, a yes. success story. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, okay.
2: Just just give us that, like yes. take us on that journey. Yeah.
0: So um, this is my favorite story and I, not my favorite story, but one that comes to mind that I know I can tell. Um, so we have a wonderful Rise woman named Ty who is just, um, the Holy spirit is just so present in her in these just really beautiful ways. And so we got connected, um, to Ty like we get connected to most women at rise through another rise woman. And, um, our, our dear friend, Molly said, Ty should come on this trip with us and said, bring her along. And she somehow convinced her very introverted friend, Ty to come and stay in a house with 20 other mostly loud women. And, um, and Ty just rocked it with us and, and still talks to us today, which is great. But, um, a few years ago, Ty and her family hit a rough patch where they, um, were facing eviction, um, her and her husband and her three, I think she has three girls. And, um, she came to Molly and, and Molly came to us and with her permission. And we said, we've got to fix this. And so we raised, I don't remember how much, but I probably several thousand dollars to, um, for her to take to court and, um, and they didn't get evicted. And it was so great because at the time, you know, she said, I can't wait to get back to rise. We hear that, you know, so often when we fundraise for girls, says, I can't wait until I can give you know, my money for the next need. And I see those names come in where I know i like, oh, we paid their rent a year ago and they just sent money for this girl's rent. And it's just so, it's just so fun and rewarding. But, and so, you know, we kept Thai housed and that was awesome. And if that is all that had come out of it, that would have been great. Like that would have been wonderful. But Ty has been able to flourish in some ways that we simply know would not have happened if they had been facing eviction and then debt and then bankruptcy and da 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 da. da. She is an incredibly gifted artist and poet and um, started with the prodding of, of a lot of rise women, started sharing her work more often, and was able to create more because they had a home and weren't financially worried about having a home. And when the um, protest movements around George Floyd's death happened in the summer of 2020, she began to create a lot out of her pain uh, as a Black woman. And we started to share that work. And then suddenly that work started to pick up steam. And she started being featured in lists of Black small businesses to be purchased from. And she started being picked up by bigger companies. And she started, and now you can't get in for an order from her until 2023, right? Like her business has just exploded and she is doing the thing that God has made her to do and rise women's houses and offices all over the country have ties, artwork in them, and everyone posts pictures. And anytime anyone on God's internet says, where should I buy black art from?" 14 Rise Girls have tagged her before the post has gotten cold, right? Like, and Ty just laughs at us now, you know, and it's all like a contest to see who can tag Ty's artwork first, because we know she is the best Black woman artist in the world, you know, and she's like, okay, guys, we know we're we're very excited, you know, and she's just this, still this quiet, introverted, beautiful artist. And, and it's not at all that I would say, oh, if we hadn't paid her rent, none of this would have happened because God's so much bigger than that. (laughs) But what I know is that we took a tangible burden off of her plate that then gave her a little more breathing space to do the things that she was meant to do in the world. And that I hope, right, people, people ask like, oh, so is that what RISE does? RISE meets tangible needs. And I say, no, what we figured out early on is that if a woman doesn't have shelter and food and therapy and childcare, she can't get to the work. She can't get to the work. And so we just really see the tangible stuff is like, Oh, yeah, we're just giving people the foundation they need to get to the things that are beautiful and lovely in the world, right? And and I think people have grabbed onto the fundraising because it's inspiring. And we need inspiration in the world. That's not a bad thing. I don't want to make slideshows out of it. It's okay to be inspired. And because it's tangible, right? Right. When I say, oh, we provide resources for women to do the good work they do in the world, that's a lot harder to figure out what that means. But when I say we're going to pay someone's rent so they can do their good work in the world, ah, okay, okay, I got that, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I think Ty's story is just a perfect example of like, give women what they need to thrive and they'll thrive. And so much of discipleship for women in the church has been we need to tell you what to do to thrive which is misogynistic and reduces women down to mothers and wives and causes women to feel like failures completely ignores women's tangible needs right like we're we're giving people bible studies when what they need is dinner um and I love a good bible study obviously I need to go to one cuz I preached at you for way too long today but I think I just want women to have what they need. And I think so many people want that, but then we've just been told like, and you're helpless to do that. And I think what Rise is saying is like, no, man, we're not helpless. The Holy Spirit's like the wind. It's annoying to chase, but man is the spirit powerful.
1: I I think one of the things I hear, like you say that, so Rise is 11 years old and you are 34 like you were able to get to your dream at a really young age. And you said that part of what um, enabled that to happen for you was that you had privilege of resources and opportunity to make that happen for you. And so it's like Rise is providing that privilege and opportunity to others so that to other Mm. women that they can get to doing the work of, of God what he's called them to. And oh, that's good. Yeah. And so while I while I'm hearing you talk about this, I remember so um several years ago, I listened to this talk by Q Ideas. It was Ashley Matthews. Yeah. Talking about um I listened to that that talk. It was uh using our privilege to ensure equality. Mm. I listened to that talk over and over and over again when it came out. But she said if I am in If I am your inferior in practice, then I am your inferior, period. Mm -hmm. If our principles, our values, our beliefs do not have the power, the agency to form and shape our policies and practices, then our principles are impotent, powerless, ultimately useless, and at worst, even unjust. Mm. And then she also said, actually, just not being racist or not being sexist isn't, after all, the goal or -hmm. the work we are called to anyway. The goal is to do justice, to do the work of redemption. We are the church. We are responsible for turning right side up. All that sin has turned upside down. Mm. It be so in Jesus name. I remember watching that over and over again. She talked about how, if memory serves me correctly, the way I remember her talking about it was, you know, people will say that, well, when you line up a, a male speaker and a female speaker. Well, he just does better. He's more gifted that way. And she said, "Well, is he more gifted or is he more practiced?" Yeah. Because if this woman hasn't had the same opportunity, yeah, and hasn't had the same training and development as that man, it's not a matter of calling. Yeah. It's not a matter of of ability. It's a matter of opportunity and resourcing. Yeah. Um. And so when I when I think about all that. Rise does is is using the collective privilege mm-hmm. to help individual women pulling them into the community so that their the godly goals in their life yeah, are yeah. there to benefit the community and and even when you said like I encourage or like if somebody comes and says should I start this nonprofit and you say I tell most of them no <laughs> and it's like wow why would you I mean, one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite things I, I do sometimes on Twitter is to say, hey, like just I wanna hear people's dreams. I wanna hear yeah. what is if there is no barrier and there is like nothing standing in your yeah. way, you tell me what the dream is. And some of them will come and be like, I wanna do X, Y, like I wanna um build a castle for, you know, unicorns and ponies. It's just an amazing, like yeah, extreme dream. And some of them would just be like, I just want um a new job that's closer mm-hmm. to my parents. Yeah. Or um and so like what people's like you were talking about their definition of thriving may be different. Like their definition of a dream may be different. Um and so you when I hear these like, I love hearing people's dreams. I and then I love just being able to be like, what are you doing? Like how's that going? What what yeah. are you where are you seeing the motion? But it is like a lot of people talk about I hear a lot of people talk about like, I want to start basically like the rise house. Yeah. That sort of retreat concept. And I often think like, how could these people get together? You know, (laughs) like if they, if they got together on this and they all have very similar. And so like the, the power of pulling your individual vision and giving it a group, a community to grow within. Yeah. And maybe if you're willing to go work with community, it might not look just as you thought it would. Yeah. Or should at the beginning. However, if you're willing to go with community, it could be better.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. And there is like there are a lot of reasons that I tell people to not start nonprofits, but one of the I think one of the things that millennials and I have no idea what Gen Z is doing. So I would not even, I have no idea if they want to start nonprofits. I'm going to assume not, but, um, millennials, we grew up in some really well-intentioned church spaces that taught to us a lot about calling and a lot about being on fire for Jesus and a lot about world changing, right? Like So much world changing. And I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to like get to know my literal neighbor. Like, I have no, it sounds way too tiring to change the world. And I, and, and so we, we've had to spend so much, like, yes, we're deconstructing a lot of crappy theology, but I think we're still having, even as we change our theology, to deconstruct like what it means to be quote unquote used by God. And Katie, um, Katie, KJ Ramsey, uh, posted this week about how, like, even the phrase used by God is such a capitalistic way of thinking about God that, that we're a resource he needs to use instead of like someone he just cares about and wants to be in a relationship with. And I love that. And so like when we're talking about doing things in community, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off. God isn't using me, he's using us, right? I don't have this vision. We have this vision, right? Like it lets us be a little human, a little tired, right? Like I know that when I have to tell girls, I can't fundraise you for For you this week, I can say, like, but please start it and I will retweet it. Please let me know, like, if there's anything else I can do to help, right? Like, I don't have to be the hero of the story, even as the one with the title and the salary, right? And so when I tell people, like, don't start a nonprofit, a lot of it is me saying, hey, examine why you're wanting to. Because if it's that, well, I have this vision okay, well, is anyone else having the vision? If they're not, we should definitely have a conversation about that. And it it may be that no one is really having this vision and it really is from God and you should do it. And there are 5% of women that I've sat with and talked to them about how to do a board and all those things. You know, like I'm not trying to be a, like one of those people who like discovers that God calls us to live with less after they built their nice house. I hate those people, those lucky dogs. There's a lot of Gen Xers who like, built their beautiful houses with their nice furniture. And then they read gin Hatmaker seven and we're like, Oh, we're not supposed to have nice things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. After you bought your crate and barrel couch new, now, you know, you should buy a used one, like just feels like good timing. But so like, I, I'm definitely not trying to be like a, I started my ministry and no one else should, but I, I think You guys have known Rise in its glory years in these last five years. Those first five years of Rise were not like this. And that was because I was trying to do it on my own. And it almost killed me, literally. And it almost killed Rise financially. And so when you talk about Sarah, like hearing from people, like, listen, guys, like all seven of you have the same dream, right? What do we do with that? One, God works through repetition. So if a lot of people are saying the same thing, we should pay attention, right? So if multiple people are having the same dream, it's not just that it's convenient. To me, that's like a green flag. That's God saying, there's something there. But then the question is, how do I then say, This thing that is so meaningful to me is now ours. That's like parents inviting other adults to be involved in their kid's life. That's what it's like, right? Like when my best friend lets me do pickup and lets me go to teacher, like I went to a parent meeting the other day when my friend couldn't. That's how involved I am in her kid's life. But that requires an immense amount of trust on her part that requires her saying, I know that the world says to be a good mom means that I am in charge. But what I know is that my kid's life is better when more people are in charge, right? And so it's the same thing for our visions is is to say, this thing is really important to me. And also I trust my board of directors and they say that I can't start a new Christian radio app where we play only good Christian music because that was something I wanted to do one time and they were like we have no experience to do literally any of that my board really they're like the board of dream crushers that's like what they do they just crush dreams
2: episode title that's
0: right dream crushers (laughs) um but but there is I think maybe that's a beautiful way of looking at community is that community are the people that help you build dreams and crush dreams. Um, It's probably not a very good pitch for like, join my small group we will build your dreams and also crush them. But, and all my friends are much nicer than I make them sound. No one has crushed my dreams. They've just told me to write it on a to-do list that we're never going to get to. But I do think there's something really lovely. Maybe I guess the spiritual way of saying this is discernment. And I think that's what I'm trying to do when someone says, Can I start a nonprofit and I crush their dreams, right? Is saying, like, I don't think so. I think I'm trying to help you discern that this is not a good idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I know I'm just talking and talking and talking because you guys just have my brain going in so many My sweet neurodivergent brain just gets so excited talking to people like you, but I think like at the end of the day, Sarah, we have to listen to our dreams. And that's where we were told to stop. A lot of us is listen to your dream. And if you have resources, go do it. And if not, sorry, hopefully you can pay your rent. Right. Right. And what you're suggesting, and I think what Rise has been able to do, by the grace of God, is say, oh, no, 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 dreams are from God. Privilege shouldn't decide if we pursue them. Privilege also shouldn't decide if we crush them. Because sometimes it's the privileged folks' dreams that need to be shelved. And the way that I've been able to figure out how to do that as a privileged person is in community, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is why the internet, like talk about, you know, what y'all are doing on this podcast. Like that's why the internet's so powerful is because it expands community, right? Like it expands community. So I find more people who are on fire for the same things, which is super helpful when building things. I find more people who aren't like me, like the people on my board who can say, what are you doing? No, we're not starting a Christian radio app. Like that has nothing to do with what you want to do with your life. Mm. Um, And so like, why would I not harness the power of a larger community, especially when we know we live in segregated neighborhoods and segregated churches. And we are, you know, like, because like, we live in a like late stage capitalism, where we're all having to work more than we should be working, and so our capacity to be in in real life community is minimized, and so, yes, like the only thing I'm doing is hanging out with the parents of my friends' kids because I don't have like all these extra hours to build diverse community with empty nesters and single people, and like, duh, like the internet duh, that's the solution. It's not the problem. I know you all know this. that's why you started the podcast, but it's so it's maddening to me that this thing that is the solution to community is often pitted by the most powerful as the problem for community. Yeah. Like that's what just puts a bee in my bonnet (laughs) is that this is the thing. This is the thing that for so many of us has been transformational. I have more compassion for moms because of the internet. I have more compassion for married people because of the internet. And 10 years ago, Holly would be disgusted by both of those things. But praise God for the internet. Married women across the spectrum because of myself and other single women care about single people more. I know more about racism in America because of the internet than anything else that could have happened to me right like on and on and on and so when a handful of theologically trained well-paid ministers tell me that the internet is breaking community i don't respond oh and they're telling me on the internet that the internet is breaking community what hypocrites (laughs) Like I'm not worried about, there are a lot of people that people get called hypocrites. I'm like, I don't know if they're hypocrites. I just think they're struggling. But those pastors on the internet telling me the internet is bad, that is hypocritical nonsense. And someday I just hope that I get to sit with a group of those pastors and teach them a workshop and tell the stories that y'all are telling here and that I'm telling and say, you're wrong. Let me disciple you in a better way.
1: I daydream about that too, Holly. But then sometimes I think I'm just gonna go up these stairs. And if they don't wanna mm. come up the stairs with me. Yeah. That's when I get on the I That's when get, you're like, I'm um, yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm gonna be is not sitting here. Yeah. But it is it's it's difficult to to like you were talking at the beginning about you know, someone wants to come in your living room and be like, "I don't like your living room. It's like, just leave my living room." Yeah. Why do you want to come on the Internet and be like, "The Internet's terrible." Yeah, well, OK, go home. Yeah You are home. Yeah. Go el- elsewhere. Get off the yeah. Internet. Sign out,
2: delete your profile. Let's go. Come yeah. on.
0: And like, I, I think what it is is I think some people genuinely see this as a discipleship issue, Not a we're all finding different ways to find community and thrive. I think some people think the Internet community on the, and they would say community in quotes on the internet is a threat to community, is a threat to the church, the local church. And so I think they're like, yeah, it is hypocritical for me to get on here and tell you to get off, but I'm trying to save you from yourself, right? Yeah. And the amount of privilege that takes the amount of privilege it takes to say, I've had so much success in finding in real life community. Like, what? Like, I am so glad for you. I am so glad that you have found a local church that doesn't cause harm, that is diverse, that is, fits your child's nap schedule, that works for your lack of chronic illness, that da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, but it isn't working for some other people, right? And, and so just, leave us alone but I really do think it's this idea that everything is a threat to the gospel right that this that somehow the internet and and I think maybe they wouldn't say the internet's a threat to the gospel but I think they sure as hell would say the threat the, the internet is a threat to the local church mm-hmm. and then we're back around to power power dynamics again
1: but I mean it it is a threat in the way that like a baseball bat is a threat to a baby if somebody hits a baby with a baseball bat but that's not the intention of the baseball right, bat. Right. If we, if we learn how to use the baseball bat, and you don't yeah. and you don't convince mothers that baseball bats are bad for children by getting in front of mothers and hitting them with baseball bats. Right.
0: You said right. you like analogies. Yeah. No, I don't I, I analogy. No, I love them. No, I love them. Well, and I think the thing is, if the Internet is a threat to the local church, that's not my problem. That's the local church's problem. Now I'm going to make sure that my local church like is making sure like, okay, if people are getting this on the internet, we need to be making sure we're giving those opportunities as well. But I think it's really easy to say, I mean, right. And there's been a whole another level of this with talking about going back to in-person church with COVID there. It is so much easier to dismiss people's online relationships than to say, what are they finding in these online relationships that they are not finding in our local church spaces, right? Because that would require us to change things and to shift things and to be okay with not being everything. I know for a very long time, I bought into this kind of Instagrammable quote of like, the local church is the hope of the world. And then I remember someone saying, where are you getting that from? And being like, oh, I don't know. That's just what all the people are telling me. All the the pastors and things are telling me that the local church is the hope of the world. And then like, you know, when someone said like, where are you getting that in scripture? Or even like from a historical theological perspective, I was like, oh, I have no idea. Like, it just sounds really nice. And and. The fact is, I think the local church can be a hope in the world, but it's quite absurd to suggest that it's the hope for the world. And so why would I not think that, okay, my local church can be a hope in the world, and not even the world. My local church can be a hope for like the 10 block radius near it. That's what I want my local church to do. And then the internet church can be another hope in the world. And these things aren't competing, they're different. And for some people, we're going to find that we want and need both, right? Like I left a church last summer and I'm now currently looking for a new local church. Because that's what I want. I want and need both my internet church and my local church. Again, born out of a lot of privilege, but I don't have a bunch of spiritual abuse or church harm or not feeling triggered when I go visit a worship space, just trying to figure out where I fit. Mm. And some people are not going to find internet church to be super helpful. I think a lot of them are stubborn. And I, you're right, Sarah, we should just keep walking up the stairs, let them be stubborn. And then some people are only going to have internet church. And that is okay. And the fact that you would look around the world with all that is happening and say, with my finite day, the thing I think I want to address is internet church. What? 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 What news are you reading, sir? Have you seen rental prices? That alone, (laughs) that one thing alone, leave internet church alone and deal with affordable housing, right? And so that's where I think, and again, we just let culture inundate us. So we see culture is there are four gas stations. They compete. Every gas station tries to have the best snacks, the cheapest price, the cleanest bathrooms. And so we're like, internet church, that means it's competing with local church. What? No, no. They're just all meeting different needs because gas stations provide the exact same thing for everyone. Churches provide different things for everyone. But because we see the church as a business, we go to those models and competition is everything in the marketplace. And then you add in the fact that churches actually do need money to operate. And so you are competing in quotes for dollars. And all hell breaks loose. And I think internet church is a threat to people because we don't need money to do it, right? We don't need any money to do internet church. So all these barriers about who's in power and who has a voice and who's leading, all gone. So powerful people are like, oh dear. And I'm not saying they're sitting in meetings like tinfoil hat style, I think it's like stuff that they need to go talk to a therapist about because they and I don't like say that sarcastically, like I think they don't even know why they feel threatened. I don't know that they would even say they feel threatened. But there's a reason they're uncomfortable with it. And and I need them to explore that versus me saying, like, let me make you feel comfortable in my living room. Like, no, no. Go and let me you come back. And if you tell me you need a certain chair or you want to ask a question. Great, I'll dialogue with you about it. But my work is here in this living room. And at this point, I now shepherd a large enough group in my living room to tell you that if you're being a threat to my living room by trashing on it, you've got to go, right? And that's something that I think we can start to have conversations about, not today, is like, how, how do we? Internet church has leaders, and those leaders can cause just as much harm as local church leaders. And how are we discipling people to not do that? Right? Internet. And how are we identifying that? You know, I've I don't know, I have 8,000 followers or something on Twitter, and I don't know what the the boundary is like, oh, if you have more than 4,000 followers, you have responsibility to blah, 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 blah. That's not going to work. It's a mindset, it's a heart, heart position but like I have a responsibility to my people now my girls are my girls that I will block men even that aren't bad men but if my one of my girls says hey I had a relationship with them and it feels uncomfortable now with you and engage gone because those aren't my people right those aren't my living room and so anyways that's a, maybe I can come back another time and we can talk yeah. about like how to create safe internet churches because I do think that's like a conversation that we have to have but I just like and Sarah, man, go with who wants to go up the stairs with you. That's good. I'm gonna to talk to my board about that. That's really good. But I, I think maybe if I can meet internet church haters, I don't use that word. I'm way too old and not cool enough to say haters like the haters, but um. If I can see them with compassion, maybe, and not anger, which I guess is like what Jesus would say, um, of like, "Oh, they just don't get it. They haven't gotten to experience this really joyful thing that we have," and so I'm going to ask them to step out if they encroach on my living room, but I'm also not going to feel threatened by them.
1: Yeah, uh, Holly, I will say that the threshold, the of how many followers you have to have before um you need to be concerned about the responsibility of your leadership in that space is is one.
0: Mm, like yeah. when you talk
1: about how much um like sitting in front of people with billions of dollars or the college student. And like like the the way I think that we think about it is like let's find, let's get as many people who want to be responsible with their with how they minister to others on the internet. We will take literally anybody Mm -hmm. you can have one follower but if you want to um if you want to speak well into that one person's Mm. life please do because we need um we need that hive of kids around the soccer soccer ball and maybe it doesn't look like the structure of church maybe it doesn't look like the structure of a soccer game maybe it doesn't look like the structure of church but We are having we are moving the ball from one point to another. Yeah. And like there there is some there are directions in the Bible for for in the there are directions in the Bible for things, right? But there is not like this super defined, like you must have a young adult's ministry, Mm -hmm. you must have um, a food bank you must have this that and the other and then you're a church. It's not like the kingdom of God is not a business plan, you know? Um and and I think that when you talk like when you talk about the the wind and the and the moving with it or the the hive of kids around the soccer ball, it is a move of God and we're just mm-hmm. going where God is going. Yeah. And so like any any number of followers you have is is a responsibility and is a it is a privilege to speak into those people's mm. lives.
0: Well, and and Sarah that's such a good reframing and I really really appreciate that. Of I think why Twitter is my favorite platform um and has done the most community building for Rise is because even though we're even though Twitter uses the phrase followers or following what the three of us are experiencing as community. Yeah. Right. And so I don't even see it as, okay, these 8,000 people I'm speaking into their lives. Like, oh no, these 8,000 people I'm in community with. So die have a responsibility to them. And so I think that's a much better reframing of like, oh, well, if you only have 50 followers, it can be easy to be like, oh, only 50 people. I don't really need to like think about my internet ethic. Well, no, if I'm in community with 50 people, I definitely need to think about my community ethic. Right. And so maybe that's the better way of framing it. And obviously not everyone approaches Twitter with a community mindset and it puts a bee in my bonnet when I feel like Christian leaders only get on to tell me about their book or their, like, I try to be real patient because I know we're all doing the best we can, but I'm like, okay, do you want to engage with me? Or do you want me to just like engage with your content, which is different? Um, but, but I like that, that framework of like, no, it isn't. Right. And again, of course, because internet church is turning everything on its head. So of course it's not about like, do you have a mega church, internet church or a mini, like a, one of those cool coffee shop churches with your 20 followers. But you know, like I, I, and maybe this is what's brilliant about internet church and challenging is that you can't separate off and say like, okay, we need to do this discipleship program for these 12 people who have over 10,000 followers. Oh, no, no, no. We need every single person here to know what the fruits of the spirit are, to know how to exhibit them on the internet, to know how to defend each other, to know when to not defend each other, to know, right? Like, and so maybe this is why it is so threatening to power structures, is it's saying, oh, no, no, no. The people with five followers and the people with 5,000 followers both have the same responsibility to the community. Yep. That's so freaking good. Oh, Sarah, that's so good. That's so good. And that is why I love it so much as someone with a big platform is that it's humanizing to me too.
1: Mm.
0: I am not a brand. I'm not a brand. I talk about your dogs and your garden, and I tell you about my dog. And I yell at you about very serious things like singles in the church. And then I tell you how there were 10 hornets in my house, right? And something about that platform allows me to be a holistic human. And that's my choice. But I'm not. Even when I'm writing, like even when I am, let's say, what would kind of put in that framework, Sarah, of like, like speaking into someone's life. So when I'm talking about like the ethics of fundraising or singleness in the church, even then, I'm just talking to my community, right, right. Um, And so then I'm not creating a content or a brand around myself. I'm just Holly who happens have more people listening to her for a combination of reasons and like I remember and maybe this is like a good place to end just because it's hilarious but when I first got Twitter it was in those early years of Rise and so I was very much in like building mode like we need to build Rise So I had like a Word document I kept of tweets I would send out, like I would brainstorm them and then like send them out. And looking back, I'm like, what were you doing? And of course that didn't grow rise. Of course that he, like, of course, like I was just creating content. I wasn't connecting with people. And so I, yeah, it's like really hilarious, the things, I was like giving like budgeting tips and really like gross, really gross stuff. And the thing is, I may still send out a budgeting tweet now, like if I found a coupon or something, but I'm doing it in the context of community, right? And so it's just like how I would text my friends like, hey, the berries are on sale. I let you guys know like, hey, the berries are on sale. and one of the things that I would like the local church to see is like, and that's better done on the internet. Like the berries might not be on sale by Sunday morning. So this is like a way that I can tell my people that I'm in community with about the berries. It has nothing to do with like the value of singing corporately together, you know, like um, those kinds of things. So yeah, I think, God, Sarah, that's freaking brilliant. It it seeing it not as at what point are you an internet leader, but rather we're all internet participants.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Sarah, you're smart. Thanks.
1: (laughs) I will say I do speak.
2: I'm just here.
1: (laughs) You're doing great, Hector. You're doing great. (laughs) I value you. You've got value. I see you. You're seen amen um <laughs> um I do speak I mean speaking into the lives of it's not supposed to be a a content statement I think that we all speak yeah. into the lives of everybody like yeah. there's a uh, um it is um been a journey for me to to because like I really there was a point in time where I was like I really want to be preaching mm. and um was just so frustrated that I felt like that was limited to me and there were a couple things one um god had to check me because i was leading children's church every week and god had to be like i'm sorry mm-hmm. what do you think you're not doing like you are doing it every week you're preaching every week you are just devaluing your, your congregation. Hmm. So I needed to be checked in that way. But also I had a friend say, he said, Sarah, you preach constantly. You just do it one person at a time. Yeah. Oh, speaking into, I was like, Oh no, I've lost my train of thought. Okay. Speaking into other people's lives. Like we speak into each other in people's lives one-on-one or um, in front of groups. I speak into my kids' lives. I don't prepare sermons for them. Typically, uh, they probably would say some of the things I say to them are Germany, you know? Um, but like, I just, I mean, my best friend speaks into my life. My husband. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that, sort of.
0: No, that's but, good.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to have you back, Holly.
0: Um, <laughs> and then, yeah,
1: this was a delight and I really
0: like you. Well, I really like you too. This was great. This is yeah. really lovely. So, um, it's such an, what you guys are doing digging into this thing that exists, right? Like internet church exists like um, and everyone has lots of feelings on it. so and feelings are important, but also thoughts and theology and and you're making a space like to kind of parse those things out, and I think that's just really brilliant um, and very needed so.
1: Well, Thank you. Holly, where can people find you?
0: Yeah. So I am on Twitter if you hadn't caught that yet. And I'm at Holly, H-O-L-L-Y and then stalk up like a horse stall and a coffee cup. And then Rise's website is org, And you can kind of find us out from there in different places on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Kind of all the the different things, um, but yeah, and we're we're on Twitter at Now She Rises. So um, I have a great board of directors who helps with social media, so that I can enjoy it and not just see it as a content creating organization building machine, which I'm very very grateful for. So.
2: Well, I, I've really enjoyed today's conversation. And I think I, I very much agree with Sarah. We're going to have to have you come back and, and really parse out a lot more around, you know, what what goes into internet community, mm-hmm. what goes into, because I think a big part of that that we've seen, we've seen that side a lot of rise and, and just continuing to see how um, I think when we the conversations we get to talk about the internet and church and discipleship uh that's my role now as digital discipleship pastor mm. and thinking about like the way that the church interacts belongs and behaves on the internet mm-hmm. is going to either benefit the church yep. um in in across the the spectrum of uh small to big or it's going to do incredible harm continue do yeah. incredible harm and so um anyway that's just a thought yeah but uh yeah we're we're gonna have to to just continue to have conversations this was incredible I think there was a lot of of passion um, and a lot of and not not as a bad thing <laughs> no no, like no. I, know, <laughs> I know I know
0: you've got me worked up today though oh
2: you know but 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 that's the thing you know these things are important conversations to have and Holly, you're not the only one that's passionate about mm-hmm. these things. There are people, um, you know. We talked about the work that you're doing and involved in. but there are people that just need an opportunity to their their mental, spiritual, emotional, physical capacities to be used towards their their dreams and the work that they believe that they have been made for, and so um, what a for me, what an honor it is to sit and and wade through some of that passion today and take the stairs seriously take the stairs with you and um, yeah I hope that that people will take the stairs and listen to this episode and, and sit with the, the many different things I think that people could sit with different sections of this episode uh, reflecting and and I hope I know that I will um, I hope that our listeners will and I hope that we'll continue to see that this exploration of social media being used for ministry Uh, both digital and online. Uh, The the conversation is ongoing, and we could talk for days and days and days. Um, So yeah, well, I'm, yeah, just appreciative of your time. Thank you so much uh, for sitting with us. I love just listening today. This was just wonderful for me.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys so much
2: yeah well hey thank y'all for listening to the pocket pulpit and once again you can find holly at, at holly stalker you can find uh rise at now mm-hmm. Uh we'll see you next week um, on the pocket pulpit i think we'll see you next week whatever this releases we may or may not see you next week we'll see you when we see you ya. thank y'all bye